Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. Today, um, this is a very cool episode, very special one for me, and um I have my dad on the episode again with us, with us, Ron. He'll be back on today as a guest host. And our guest today is Jack Igo. Jack was our mentor, our guide, or whatever you want to call it in this fly fishing journey that we've been on. And um, we wanted to do this show for a while now. Finally got Jack talked into it and um, a little nervous sitting in front of the microphone, but um we're going to have fun and we're just going to sit down and talk and, you know, just tell stories. That's what Jack's known for. And, uh, we're going to have fun doing it. But, uh, one of the other reasons why I wanted to do this show is because so oftentimes in life you go through lives and you never take the time to say what you should say. And, uh, Jack has taught us so much and, you know, I just wanted to give credit where credit was due and thank him for all he's done for us. And, uh, you know, just have fun on this show. And, uh, and just to say like, for me personally growing up, like you were a humongous influence on my life and I can't express enough how much of an influence, like just for example, I'm going to Africa here in a month. And as a kid, you know, I grew up watching the hunting shows with dad and stuff like that. But as a kid, I'll never forget going to your old your dad's old cabin and walking down in the basement and seeing the ivory and the Tommies hanging there on the wall and just how much of an impression it made on me back then. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've done in life are because of being around you. And, um, you know, I just always wanted to take the time and, you know, say it. And like I said, just oftentimes things don't get, you don't take the time to do it. And I just wanted to make sure we did that today. But, um, like I said, Jack taught us how to fish 30 years ago, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, I'm sure, and a lot of our fishing adventures from back then. We'll see if you remember as much as I do, or you probably remember more, <laughs> or a different way of telling it. Way. Yeah. And uh, so let's get into it anyhow. Jack, how you been? Uh, pretty good. I've had a pretty good winter. Uh, everything's still working. Good. That's good. That's important. <laughs> yeah, it's really important to get up every morning, just like this this morning, and know that the good Lord put us a, another beautiful day. Yep. Yeah. And it's going to be a fun day. It is going to be a fun yeah. day. Case, it is a beautiful day today, too. In case you, you all don't know, you're, what, 81 now, Jack? Uh, 29th of March, uh, I'll be 81. Wow. Yeah. And he's still working full time. <laughs> well as full time as i can get <laughs> i gotta keep moving he yeah al- he always complains he don't get to fish with me as much as we used to and i said you gotta retire <laughs> he said i can't <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna retire one of these days yeah well you already did three or four times i did i retired <laughs> when i was 62 and the day i retired i was hired by penn state so 
uh, and it was just a continuous thing after that. So <laughs> I, I can't say I blame you. My father-in-law is seventy-five or seventy-six now, and he's finally retiring for good now because he has to have his second knee replacement on the knee, and he's, he just can't do it anymore. So, but keep got to keep moving. Yeah, I, it's it's hard. It's it's hard getting old, but you just can't stop. Yeah, I can't yep. anyway. No, but I guess this thing is, is somewhat about my life and how my life and you guys' life all came together. And let me let me get back as far as I think I can remember, and that was about probably ten or ten or eleven years old. And the one thing that really started me fly fishing my dad and I always fished in the Belfont area Logan Branch Spring Creek um, my mother was from Belfont so we went down there a lot <clears throat> and one bright sunshiny first day which was very unusual uh, we were fishing Logan Branch, and at lunch, we jumped in the Plymouth, which was a 46 Plymouth business coupe, <laughs> <laughs> and, and went over to Spring Creek. And I can still see it in my mind since I've been thinking about it lately. Um, a big wide pasture area and it had one tree in it <laughs> and uh, there was a little bit of a falls and at that time I was using a fly rod uh, but with night crawlers <laughs> and dad wanted to catch a fish on flies so he put wet flies on and I wanted to fish wet flies like my dad and he said, no, just, you're too young. So anyway, he took off and went his way, and I was there. And I fished, and I caught a fish on a, on a worm. But I made up my mind that day that I was going to learn how to f cast a fly rod. And if you can imagine having a number six eagle claw hook uh, completely entwined with a night crawler <laughs> and probably two split shots. <laughs> and there I was trying to fling this thing back over my shoulder and back forward and back for about a half a dozen times before I put it in the water. And, of course, the worm was all gone except what was around the hook. <laughs> and... I did that for oh, a couple minutes. I happened to look behind me, and there were three guys watching me. And they asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm fishing flies. <laughs> Garden hackle. <laughs> <laughs> they kept watching me there for a little bit, and lo and behold, <laughs> I caught a trout. I'm not sure what it was, brown or rainbow or whatever. Uh 
that was somewhere in 16, 17-inch range on a H&I fiberglass rod that we paid $6.95 for. Hmm. Uh, and the one guy come running down, he was going to net it for me, and the other guy stopped him, and he said, you leave him catch that fish. And I finally got it up to the net and finally got it in the net and brought it out and, and took it off and put it back. But uh, that was my first encounter with a fly rod using it for yeah. what it was intended for. Right. So, so you were actually a chuck and duck niffer before you knew it. <laughs> yeah, I was chuck, yeah, I was chucking, yeah, I was chucking lead, uh, which I've yeah. done a few times up in Erie and a few other places. Yeah. But uh, when I get to that story, that's that's another story. <laughs> I thought that tree in the middle of the pasture was going to be in that story, but it wasn't. Uh, it it was there, but it was the creek was so wide down there. It, okay. it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me too much. But <laughs> that was I can remember. Boy, that was that was really something to try to try to get that line back and, and get it forward with with that much weight on. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, well, but that was my first first encounter with a with a fly rolling so was that your dad's first time too oh no no um dad was often talked about being able to catch a trout in a mud puddle on walmart's lot (laughs) <laughs> but of course that was before walmart yeah. so <laughs> i think you get the just of right it. That, uh, i never seen him do it but the one thing i did see my dad do was he took a hair off of my wife's head and attached it to his leader and tied a fly on it and actually caught a trout on on the, oh wow i never heard that one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that happened yeah that happened uh it was my my life with my life with a fly rod is is very unusual and very great uh, my dad was sort of a hard guy uh, he really never showed me how to do it he just gave me the opportunity to do it and i just had to take it from there and then and the other big reason that i fished a lot of uh wet flies was dad had the opportunity where he worked and that was junior out of packing uh, to go out to the farmers and see livestock that he brought into the into the plant, but of course he would always have his fly rod with him, and he would catch a lot of fish while he was out looking for uh, beef and pork. And our biggest thing was the first guy to catch a hundred trout, and 
he would take uh, June, June to catch a hundred. And of course, me being in school and, and only having uh, the time to catch fish when, when I was able to go with him, I needed to find something that I, the trout were going to eat a lot more faster than, mm-hmm. than his dry flies. He was a dry fly fisherman. Boy, he, he, could, he could really catch a fish on a dry fly. Wow. So I started to catch uh, fish on what flies. And at that time, um, the wet flies were always on a board, uh, 24 inches or what have you, that were already snelled. And, uh, you know, I just went from there. I, I'd buy two or three whenever I could get some change. And, yeah. And, uh, I remember where I caught my first trout on a dry fly. Uh, I know where I caught my first trout on a what fly. So both of them were on Camp Kennesatake Creek. So, yeah, upper end of Spruce Creek. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, that's nice water up in there too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah. So you you were saying about your hundred fish, and I you always had a saying. Your your goal was a hundred fish by the first day, another hundred by the first of May, wasn't that it? Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I had the opportunity to fish uh, a lot from January on, and I always tried to have at least fifty before the first day. Yeah, and then uh, from the first day, uh, I guess my first time that I ever made a hundred. In in uh, April, uh, was boy. I can't even remember now, but uh, of course, Dad had to wait till you know May for dry flies to start to really right. really yeah. come off, yeah. and and then he would he would catch a lot of fish. But uh, that's how I got that's how I got started with. Uh, so how did you learn the wet flies? Was it just trial and error, or did you know somebody? Just, or? just all trial trial and error, and every once in a while, Field and Stream would have a uh, a story. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I would always read them and so what have you. But uh, that's that's how I got started. I, and I, I just sort of taught myself. Yeah. Now – you had you grew up in Tyrone and had to camp on Spruce Creek. Is that the way it yes, went? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you spent a lot of time at the camp growing up. I have to say yes, but I fished all over. I fished the Bald Eagle a lot, uh, uh, and even down on the on the big Bald Eagle, down around Curtin. Okay. Uh, fished that a lot. Uh, of course, the Juniata. The Juniata wasn't. It's gone through its stages. Yeah, it 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 was really bad. Yeah, um, for a lot of years, and it finally got cleaned up enough that that uh, it's now what it is now. But, yeah. Uh, was what, was Spruce Creek always the way it was? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's 
And well, I, ben, ben Everhart uh, was the original owner of the Coleraine Fishing Club. And that was back in the, in the 40s and, and 50s. And I'm not sure when uh, Jack Combs bought it. But Ben, ben would leave any one fish for $3 a year and they could fish anything they wanted, uh, minis or worms or what have you. And when we, when my dad and uh, Clint Abrams, hmm, Freeman, Bud Freeman, uh, got control over the, the, uh, the Ben Everhart part uh, and made it a club, uh, they made it, uh, fly fishing and uh, release right. only. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a special fishery down there. I had a couple chances to fish it down there at your place, and and I'll always, you know, have those memories catching a couple nice fish there by your place. It's it's a shame now. Uh, there's too many guys that are feeding the fish uh, along the stream, and we've asked them, please don't do that. Um, yeah, two take, two things have happened. Um, of course, it pulls all the bigger fish right up to where they're feeding, and the second thing is that they're not taking. Yeah, it takes the wildness out of them. The, the wild, yeah, yeah, taking wildness out of them, and um, the stream has sort of lost its hatches. Oh, uh, there's not near the hatches. Uh, there on Spruce Creek as, as there was. Oh wow! But uh, one other story I have about Spruce Creek. I guess I was in that twelve, fourteen year range, maybe a little, a little bigger, a little older. And we always fished clear till it got so dark you couldn't see anything. So you fish by sound. Mm -hmm. And especially when the shad flies come off, uh, Spruce Creek was just polluted with with uh, shad flies, oh. green green drakes. Yeah, and I was in the hole right there in front of where Dad bought uh, the cottage from um, Frank Pavone, and uh, it was dark. But I saw a trout raising, and I knew it was a good trout. And I kept putting my fly over him and over him and over him and over him and over him. And finally, it either got dark enough or whatever. He finally hit my fly. And I was just hysterically happy. I just was having a great time. Uh, I'm saying that that trout was in the 20s. Uh, and not knowing how to maybe land a trout that big, I had a time with him. <laughs> and I got him fairly close, and he come up out of the water, did about two flips, and, of course, my fly come out. <laughs> And my response was, I took the rod and 
and slammed it down on the right on the water. And the six dollar rod just don't take that. <laughs> I busted my six dollar rod. My dad gave me the devil. Uh, Dissectly gave me the devil. That was the guy at uh, Burley's hardware store. And I know it took me a month to come up with $6 to buy a new one because my dad sure wasn't going to buy me a new one. Lesson learned. Yeah, lesson learned. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, um, so you got into wet flies. Did you get into the tying much? I knew you you tied a little bit there when I was younger, but... I did. I, I tied... Uh, some flies and at that time I was fishing with Pete Getz uh, Pete and I were like you guys are now just almost inseparable yeah. we were really close friends and Bud Freeman tied flies that when he laid one on the on the table if you watched it long enough it would crawl away from you it was just yeah. But Bud could not catch a fish on a on a on a fly. <laughs> but Pete tied flies, and he had strings hanging off of them. The, the wings one wing was long, and the other wing was short, and it was hanging down, and it was bent, and so on and so forth. And I asked him one day. I said, Pete, I said, you catch a lot of fish on them crazy flies. I said. You know, why can't Bud catch them on a good one and, and you catch them on all them crazy-looking ones? He said, Jack, he said, them trout, he said, they don't take them good ones. He said, they get away from them. He said, these are cripples and deads and so on and so forth. He said, I don't care what they look like, he says, as long as they catch fish. <laughs> <laughs> I got to buy some flies from Alan Bright uh, before I did before I started the tie. And uh, Alan got me on. Um, Which one of the three? It's got to be well, three patterns. Yeah, well. <laughs> Gold rib hairs here. Yeah, gray yeah, the, hackle peacock. Yeah, the, I, I tied them before. Uh, he, <laughs> but I tied them with wings. And um, what do you call the ones that don't have wings? Oh, the spiders. Yeah, like a spider. Like yeah. a spider, yeah. Like an English spider. Yeah. Soft tackle. Soft tackles. Yeah, yeah soft tackle. Yeah, soft tackle. And uh, uh, I've never had a, I've never had any luck on a on an English tied spider type fly. Uh, um, With the thin sparse, huh? you liked it a little bit thicker. Yeah. 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 A little buggier. Yeah, a little yeah. buggier. What have you? But uh, Alan. Alan uh, sort of got me on the uh, soft tackles, and I really, really enjoyed those soft tackles. I, I uh, was plant manager, assistant manager under my dad, and then plant manager of Juniata Packing, and there would be days that I would just have so much on my mind that I just had to get some relief. And, I would go down, and I put my boots on, and I grabbed my fly rod, and I'd start in the water, and 
and I'd fish a little bit. And it just, I know God was there, and he just took all the hurt, all the, all the bad feelings, all my soreness, everything else, and, and, and just in the current, just washed it all away. And I'd come out of there feeling a thousand times better. And it's just little things like that that, that really mean a lot to me. Yeah, it's a very therapeutic sport for a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And my my deal is that I can go fishing and I'll catch a fish and have a great day because I may have seen a mink, I may have seen a bird I've never seen before, um, what have you. It just, you know, there's so much joy just being on water and and understanding what's there and and seeing what's there it was it henry david thoreau that had to comment uh or the saying in his book and i'm not quoting it word for word here but people spend all their life going fishing only to realize that it's not the fish that they're after yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's just you know um people say that fly fishing is hard it's not hard no it's it's so relaxing and especially wet fly fishing the older you get uh, the easier it is to to fish wet flies it's just yeah and i'll even add to that that um for all my euro nymph guys that are listening to this podcast regularly you can swing a mop fly <laughs> <laughs> we've tried to get you to your own nymph <laughs> over and over and over and we're like jack you gotta try this you gotta try this this buttercream mop and we gave it to you out at yellow creek you fished her a couple of drifts and before you know it i turned around and looked and you're swinging her downstream just ripping one out after another <laughs> swinging a mop like a wet fly <laughs> nah, that, that reminds me of two more stories <laughs> nah I got to ask a question. Yeah. What's the guy that had uh, the Juniata River right there to Juniata to bridge it down? Uh, Beaver. Beaver. Beaver, yeah. Yeah, Beaver. Beaver. Um, Beaver had a good piece of water, and I, and I sure didn't, I'm not going to say it, but I, <laughs> I sure didn't like him. But I was an, invited to go down to, with an extremely good friend. Uh, who has now passed away, uh, and he was a member of the Beaver outfit. My dad and I, <clears throat> back to my dad and I, a long time ago, a long time ago, in the winter, would go down to Espy's farm, walk over the fence, because they had a, a steps that go up and steps that come down over the fence. Yeah. And there was a little um, spring down there and we'd get down there and fish for suckers in the wintertime and the one time we went down of course i was young then and and you know it, it took a lot to keep me patient i guess <laughs> is the word and i was out throwing snowballs at the geese down there <laughs> and the darn thing come chasing me after after me and and finally caught up with me before i got over the fence and I was hollering for my dad, and my dad wouldn't even—he wouldn't even turn around and look at me. But uh, anyway, so I—I I have fished that area a lot. Yeah. 
And when he bought it, uh, of course, it was a club. I got to fishing with uh, Ted Embeck. Uh, he was from Maryland. And uh, Ted invited me down. And Ted said, you know, just go ahead and fish. He said, I'll be somewhere around you. Well, anyway, I started. And I, I was just catching one nice trout after another, just one after another, uh, right there in front of right there in front of the building that uh, Beaver built. Yeah. And uh, we was probably there, well, probably three or four hours, and I know I caught 30, 40, 50 fish out of there. And uh, anyway, when Ted wanted to go back, well, we was getting ready to go, and, and Beaver walked up, and I didn't know him, but uh, he introduced me, uh, Ted introduced me to him, and his comment was, Oh, I've heard of Jack Igo. He said, every time I turned around, you had a fish on. <laughs> so, but, uh, then Ted, Ted took me up to Erie uh, to salmon fish up there a little bit. And that weekend, I was so sick. Uh, flu type deal, but I was going anyway. And we had a guide, and guide took us on a real nice stretch of water i mean really nice water and uh i think we were at that time yeah in fact i know we were we were over in new york uh side at the indian reservation and on uh, on the cataracas cataracas probably yeah yeah yeah. and uh anyhow uh ted the other boy that was with us got mad because i was old enough i didn't have to have a license up there (laughs) so anyway uh i told the guide i said look i said i want to fish wet flies he said they haven't fished wet flies up here for years he said uh he said all they do is is salmon eggs i said well i said "I'll, i'll fish salmon eggs a little bit so i did and i had had probably caught oh i don't know let's say six, seven of them. And of course, Ted didn't catch any, but uh, Ted was down probably 200 yards from me. And the guy walked up, asked me how I was doing, and I told him, I said, I'm done. I said, "Uh, I want to fish wet flies. I said, "Uh, take take that leader off, that chunk of lead, and and take that leader off. So he did, and he was just giving me all kinds of, reasons why i shouldn't catch why i shouldn't fish what flies and he said what are you going to use i said well i said i'm going to put a big gray hackle red one and a <laughs> and a um, like a march brown and he said where are you going to fish i said right here he said you fish there he said there's two guys who just went down by and he said you're going to fish wet flies in there i said yep he said, okay. So he took off and started back down towards Ted. And he just got to Ted's. And I started to holler. And he happened to turn around and look up. And my rod was almost bent double. <laughs> and I had one nice fish on a, yeah. on a, uh, on my wet flies. That's the thing right now especially around this area nobody fishes wet flies and just like you're saying there you picked one up right away on wet flies it's something that you know pat and i do a lot we'll get out fishing and 
if there's a hatch coming off, I'm throwing a wet fly during the hatch most of the time. And uh, we're I'm physically or mentally making it a point this year to get back into fishing wet flies. But it's such an overlooked art that the fish don't see it. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it works because <laughs> the fish is used to seeing that little pellet fly floating down, bouncing across the bottom, you know, or your nymph, whatever, your waltz worms, everything, or the dry fly flying over top. But most of the time, the guys aren't swinging wets, and it's such a productive for that reason. It it it's, It is productive, and it is so relaxing. You only have to... You only have to hold on to the rod, make a cast of any kind, yeah. And as long as they're in the water, you're gonna you're gonna catch a fish, yeah, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we always used to say. All you gotta do is get them in the water. Don't yeah, matter you how. You gotta keep them in the <laughs> yeah. water. Um, and and also like with dry flies, there's so much of and art to the cast and yes. precision to the cast and things like that. And wet flies, it, you know, a nice simple roll cast. Yes, it is. We'll get you out there, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what people see on these, on the movies, on TV and stuff is this dry fly fishing or, or their attempt at dry fly fishing. They see yeah. this casting and everybody thinks, Oh, it's so hard. I can, I can't do it. They don't see anybody wet fly fishing on TV yeah. and realize how simple that how is. How simple it yeah. is, and and uh, and once once you once you get on to the the knack of of catching them, and, and there's a there's a, a knack of of catching them. There is. Uh, everyone is so used to getting a hit and, and striking back so bad yeah. that you lose a lot. Yeah, you're definitely going to lose a lot when you start into wet fly fishing. You're maybe not lose, but miss. You're going to miss a lot. Miss, yeah, mm-hmm. miss and lose. You're going to get a lot of hits on it, but yeah. you're not going to. And uh, uh, my my big thing when I finally got the nerve enough to do it was to find a rod that I liked, and I did. I I found a <laughs> I'm going to say a super soft rod. And because it it bent clear down to the cork almost, <laughs> and uh, that's that was one of the biggest things that really helped me a lot. Yeah, the soft rod, so, real soft rod. Uh, it it takes away the well, it takes away your mistake of setting the hook too fast. Yes, and uh, yes. it it disperses the energy the whole way through the rod instead of right into that fish's yep. mouth. And it, it gives it gives the trout. That millisecond to get a hold of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now back to the tying part. I will add that one of the reasons that I am the tire I am today is because of you. Because when I was young and we were just getting into tying, you would always ask me to tie flies, and I know that they look like crap. But every <laughs> year you would ask me to tie flies, and it got to the point where you know I got better at it and better at it, and. Nowadays, it's like I only set the better ones aside. If I'm if I know I'm tying for you, I'll tie a whole bunch, and it's like I want to impress you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you are a lot of the reason I am. Just because you challenged me, and you always asked me to to do that when I was younger, even though I sucked at it, and 
And I'm, but you catch you caught fish on my crappy I caught flies. fish on your flies. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> and, and and you never discouraged Sean. Yeah. You always encouraged him. Yeah. And and it just it's grown. Uh, I would put him up against any fly tire around now. He ties beautiful flies, and it come from your six flies a year order. To, yeah. He has an order laying on the table here right now for. 10 dozen flies <laughs> so yeah yeah that's it's, right it's really well, Ron, um i guess you were part of that too um who's the, who's the boy that was what that i brought up to show you how to put a post oh i i can never remember his name oh. <laughs> that's the problem of of getting old boy the your mind goes really bad so yeah but if you folks are paying attention listen to all these stories he just told and i never heard any of these <laughs> and he's telling stories from the 40s so you know you'll have to <laughs> take it for what it is here <laughs> uh, and anyway um he come up mm -hmm. and and showed you how to put a post on him yeah yeah and uh that i think that was one of the things that really got you yeah that's where when when you were able to do that and do it so fast so mm -hmm. quick and that was uh yeah he i can't remember his name but it, he was using uh, uh the turkey flats turkey to, sh flats. to yeah. show me how to do that yeah, yeah. and uh yeah, I went from there to using poly yarn. I, I use it a lot when I tie dry flies, but we don't fish dry flies very much since we're doing this nymphing. It's yeah, just, yeah. And like Sean said, when there is a hatch comes on, instead of going to a dry fly, we usually go to the wet flies. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, that's that's uh, dry fly fishing is is an is an art, and he was he was poetry in motion um when he would drive life mm -hmm, yeah. and that's all he did yeah um and all he had was a pair of cut off shorts and a pair of tennis shoes <laughs> he never he never wore boots uh, no matter how cold the water was he never wore boots <sighs> oh jeez. anyway um well tell us in all those years of fishing and, uh, you know, the guys that you have introduced us to and things, I know you've been around some of the, the legends of the sport and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> so, uh oh, I love what this is coming to. And I got a, well, well, I got a story. I'm not sure you guys have even heard. Um, <laughs> uh, let's start off this story by saying that for three years on the Juniata, on one stretch of the Juniata. I could go down in the evening once the sulfurs come on, and I have what I call my juniata rod, which is a uh, nine-foot uh, Fenwick. And I could take that nine-foot Fenwick and make an arc straight out this way. And underneath that arc, I would have 20 to 30 raising trout. Hard to imagine, but it was there. My problem was I would go home way after dark, and maybe on a good night, I would have three catches. And it just, it just 
drove me crazy. <laughs> and I finally met Charlie Mack. <laughs> I met him down at uh, Spruce Creek Tab or Spruce Creek uh, Fly Shop a couple times. And we got to talking and so on and so forth and what have you. And he has written three or four books. And one day I went down and that happened. I come home maybe with one fish. I didn't come home with it. I, put, I released it. But I caught one fish and, and had those fish raising right, right in front of me, two feet in front of my boots. And I called Charlie back and I talked to him. I said, Charlie, will you go with me? and show me what I'm either doing right or wrong. And I explained to him what was going on. And, of course, <laughs> I, I, I was really down in the dumps, I guess, or whatever. And he said, where are you going? And I told him. He said, I've never heard a more impatient, down-in-the-dumps fisherman like anyone like you. He said, I'll be there. <laughs> I said, that's great. So I met him there. And he opened up the back of his car, and it was like the inside of Ron's uh, tackle shop. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we got ready to go, and he said, where are we going? I said, just follow me, and I took him to where these trout were. Well, first of all, he wanted me to show him that I was capable of casting a dry fly. And I'll be darned, I heard a splash and turned around, and I had only made about three casts with my dry fly, and he had one on about 16, 17 inches. That went on for about 15, 20 minutes, and at that time, I still hadn't caught a fish, and he was probably up into five or six at that time. I looked down at Charlie with a disgusted look on my face, and Charlie said, come here. So I went down, and Charlie looked out across the water, and he said, see that fly right there? I said, yeah. He said, catch it. I said, I don't have a net. So I had to catch it with my hand and leave the water run through my fingers. And I finally caught it. He said, what's the difference? And I said, well, I said, it's a very normal um, sulfur. I said, it still has the shock on it. <laughs> yeah, he said, it still has the shock on it. <laughs> he said, uh, here. And he reached in his pocket very secretively and looking around pulled it out, got his scissors, and snipped off a little piece. Then he said, here, he said, put this right on the hook. So he handed me this thing about a half an inch long. It's sort of brown. And he said, just put the hook to it, the one end. So I did. He said, now what's that look like? I said, a, a sulfur with a uh, shock shock on it. I said, what did you just cut, cut that off of? Oh, I said, oh, I, said I, I don't know whether I should tell you or not. He said, here, I'll show you. And he pulled out one of his wife's nylon stockings. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he used for a chuck. <laughs> and I caught fish. Hmm. I caught a lot of fish. I caught some big fish. And all of a sudden, I wasn't catching any. And all of a sudden, Charlie was catching fish again. I said, now what? He said, come here. So I went down. He said, you got any leader material? You have to know Charlie Mack. Charlie Mack was a, a rough, tough guy. I said, yeah. He said, give me 20 inches. So I snipped off 20 inches. He said, now tie that onto your hook. So I said, well, how do you do that? He said, just tie it on your hook. 
So I tied it on my hook with 20 inches hanging down. And Charlie was in his vest looking around. He very secretively again handed me a nymph. And he said, uh, don't you tell anyone about this nymph. He said, this, this nymph is um, uh, uh, right for the, this river. He said, every nymph is, has a different color. And he said, this is just for this river. And he handed me this thing, and he said, that's called a dirty green. So I put this dirty green nymph on underneath my sulfur dry fly. Uh, and guess what? <laughs> I was catching fish again. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the stories that I have with Charlie Mack. Uh, Charlie's gone now, and, and, but he sure was a good fisherman. Yeah, I got to meet him once. Well, again, thanks to you through introducing us to Eric. But we went down to Eric's one time, and uh, Dad was dropping off some flies, and we walked around the corner, and there sat Charlie on on Eric's porch. (laughs) And uh, we could sit down while they were eating dinner, and we just hung out, got to hang out with Charlie for a while. I'll never forget, out of his shirt pocket, he pulled a pill bottle, you know, Oh, you old guys carry your flies in a pill bottle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he pulled out a pool bo- pill bottle and said, Did you ever see one of these? And cracked it open and poured out a whole bunch of Patriots on his hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and he, I held one there and was looking at one of his Patriots. So that was pretty cool. And he's like, You know what that is? I said, Yeah, that's a Patriot. I, he's, Did you ever, you ever fish it? And it just happened that the week before, for some dumb reason, I tied up a Patriot. And uh, was fishing a wild brookie stream not too far from here <laughs> and was just hammering them brookies on the Patriot. Yeah. And Eric's like, oh, man, why did you tell him that? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I was doing well on the Patriot, and it, it was cool to get to meet Charlie. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah so. Charlie was a good man. He, yeah. uh, he'd help you. He'd, he'd give you some advice, but you got to be careful with it, you know. It, well, I'll, I'll never forget, too, while we were there, there was uh, Anthony Giaquinto, which is a tire from New Jersey, was there, and he was there to fish with Eric. And uh, Charlie came down to meet him and stuff, and Anthony ties beautiful flies. I mean, just looks really lifelike flies. And uh, he handed Charlie this one. He said, here, check this one out. And uh, Charlie looks at it and goes, that's nice, but well, float. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony, oh yeah, yeah, it'll float. And Charlie goes, "Give me your wine glass." <laughs> Threw it in the wine glass. It floated, but <laughs> but he, Charlie was very like, "Yeah, right. That's that's really nice, but it, yeah, is it gonna float?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that was neat. But I'll I'm gonna tell a non-fly fishing story and see if you remember it. And another thing that you got us into for a long time was bass fishing. And we used to take your boat over to Racetown. Do you remember the time we were flying up the river, up the lake there? And uh, we come up beside of another really, really large boat and your really, really small boat. And uh, you wasn't kind of paying attention and we went in beside the waves and almost put the boat on its side. Do you remember that one? No. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I thought we was going to lose our tackle and everything. Outside. That time that boat was on its side almost. <laughs> but was... Was it my boat? It was your boat. Oh, yeah. okay. All yeah. right. It was yeah, your yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But another thing we used to do a lot of, and, and I want to get back into doing, we used to go down to the Susquehanna and the Juniata a lot to fish mm-hmm. for smallmouth. We had a blast doing that when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. We caught a lot of fish back then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you remember that 
that one year we tried for five weeks to go down and we got a storm every week and <laughs> and the river we'd call my brother-in-law who lived yeah. down there yeah that was boy it's that flood was a, stage yeah. flood stage so we said finally is the fifth or sixth week we said don't matter what stage it is we're going to get down and do something you know mm-hmm. so we went down <clears> and uh e- even at the edge of the bank you couldn't fish the juniata it was mm-hmm. just so or the susquehanna it was just so high and uh so we ended up going up these feeder streams feeder streams yeah and we got up just to where the brown water ended and it went to green and we just caught fish yeah. after fish yeah I I I counted them and and we we had we caught fifty four fish between us that day, but uh, I've heard you tell the story and had it up to like ninety seven or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that the, was that the time we met Rambo? You remember the time we were up in there fish? We were fishing them feeder streams and we ran into a guy that was trying to chase us out of there, trying to chase us out, and he had the big Rambo survival knife yeah, with that, the compass on top. Yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. think we got into his. Uh, we, we suspected he might have been growing yeah, something. Up we got there. into his growing <laughs> facilities. <laughs> that was that was a one time we was there that that day. And uh, uh, what's your brother's Russ. name? Rusty. Russ. Russ. Yeah. Uh, I had to. I had a fish on, and it was really a good fish. And all of a sudden, it it got heavier, but. I didn't know. I thought maybe it got in the grass or something floated down the creek. And I hollered because I, I, I couldn't handle it and get in the water to land it. And uh, Russ came running up. And I finally got her to cross the riffle. And Russ said, oh, my goodness. He said, do you see what I see? And I didn't for a minute. And I said, yeah, I do. And I had a 19-inch smallmouth on the one hook and a 17-inch smallmouth on the other hook. <laughs> and he landed them both for me. And that was, and that was with eight-pound test line. Yeah. And that was, boy, we had a day that day. Holy mackerel, we had a day that day. Yeah, that was one of those memories that, yeah, that you, was, you never yeah, forget. Just, that was, just never forget something like that. To, to, to make something like that happen out of a day that was just, yeah, it was shot. It, it was shot to start. <laughs> yeah, high water, miserable. Yeah. And then there was the day you took us down to catfish on the Susquehanna, mm-hmm. and we took my mom's boss with us, and we were out late night fishing, and the big old the helgramites were flying all over the place, and the helgramite flew down mom's boss's butt crack. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Mom's what? My mom's boss. He was leaning forward there watching, and the helgramite flew right down his butt crack. <laughs> 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 we got we got 30 years of stories we could tell here but yeah, we don't have time just, for that yeah, yeah. We, i do i do want to touch on another thing that we learned from jack uh and and i maybe took a little further uh he also taught me how to build rods and uh i ended up building a lot of fly rods and i've shipped them all over the u.s i've shipped them to idaho texas all over yeah, yeah. but uh i mean that's another thing in the fly fishing uh sport that he's taught us and uh, i really enjoy too we we owe we owe a lot to jack yeah. he's really he's the one that got the whole thing started with all <laughs> with our fly shop that we have now 
with uh, our podcasts and our videos and all we we uh, owe it all to him. <laughs> yep. He got us in it. Yeah. I I just do it because I just like to do it and and you guys were so receptible to it. And, yeah. And uh Well, and then another thing you you did too is uh you took the time like dad said even though my flies were crappy you always ask me for them next year yeah. and and you took the time and invested in me and that was something that really rubbed off on me and for a couple of years there i don't know if you remember when we would go fishing i would always take my daughter's boyfriend yeah with me you know i always because of you i always felt that i had a, a duty to mentor yeah sure you know like that yeah. and, and to teach yeah. somebody else and to pass it well, on and look look at look at what you're doing right now and, and what yeah. you're mentoring uh yep. in, in your guiding and so on and so forth right now yep. it's just uh you know it, it it's just amazing uh, what you guys have done uh there are so many people that that had shops and for a year or two or what have you and, yeah. and had to close up uh but you know with the attitude and and everything that you guys have and and uh yeah and the good lord behind you and and what have you it's just been it's just been miracle it's just a really really great i i uh yeah that that's a big thing that uh is part of our our whole business that we have going uh we got somebody behind us that a lot of those other fly shops that failed never yes. had. Yeah. We have, we've been blessed by the Lord with everything that we have, and we we do like to give Him the credit for it all. It's yeah, just that's for sure. There's a big story to all that, but we can't go into right now. But it, it all came about because of God's plan. Yeah, yeah, and and also treat people like you want to be treated right you yeah know, you yeah. do yeah, that and you're gonna succeed. that's that's yeah. yeah that's the big thing with you guys you really yeah. just are amazing with the yeah with your customers fellas there's one other story i gotta tell you uh and here again i'm not sure i've told you before but uh, i was working for blair electric at, at the time and i had to go clear up into carthus and what have you and uh uh, gather up motors and what have you and this was uh, a Tuesday because they always made that trip on Tuesday and it was a rainy misty chilly April day perfect for blue wing olives mm -hmm. and I got home and I was so tired I couldn't hardly move and all of a sudden I saw a fly rod down below my place. I oh, who's down there in a day like today? So I went down to check him out, and it was one of our one of our uh, club members. Yeah. Club members, yes. Uh, and his name was Rosie Stid. And Rosie Stid was, among other things, uh, worked for the Fish Commission. <clears throat> game warden <laughs> but uh i could tell you a lot of stories that he told me and and what have you but anyway i got down there that day and he had to know had to do rosie and how he fished he he was so intent and so he bent over and just 
you know, just this way, you know. And, and uh, he didn't even look up because he knew who it was. He said, one more to be 21, Jack. I thought, holy Marco. Jesus. <laughs> so I went up. I got my rod, <laughs> and I went down about three, well, what, to, to the place we called uh, the college hall, okay. university, university hall. Went down to the university hall and with a blue wing olive and, uh, excuse me, anyhow, I stepped in the water and without moving my feet, I caught 10 trout on 10 consecutive casts with a blue wing olive. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I went from my from there up to where I lived, uh, which was probably 150, maybe 175 yards. When I got out of the bank at my place, I had caught 50 fish. Wow. Hmm. On a blue wing olive. Hey, there is one other story we got to throw in here. And it's way back when I fir- when you first got me started with the wet flies. And uh, what are you laughing for? You know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. If not, I got another story. <laughs> uh, it, the, the flies at that time, I mean, this was way back in the 70s. And, boy, I wasn't making too much money. And the flies were... A whopping 75 cents, you know. But, boy, it was tough for me to get enough money together to buy a <laughs> half a dozen, you know. So I thought, I'm going to tie my own. So, and and you had me to the point where I was doing well catching fish on wet flies that we had bought. But uh, I bought a material, and I started tying my own, and my catch just went to zero. So I actually got discouraged and uh, got the spinning rod back out. And uh, just more or less to try to please you, I found this fly that worked on the spinning rod. Uh, Don't use the word you usually use with that, but what was the name of that? (laughs) Joe Fly. Yeah. (laughs) And I would call you up and tell you, I caught six or I caught eight or I caught ten. What would you catch him on? Joe Fly. That's not a fly. (laughs) But yeah. uh, I, I come to learn then later on, uh, I actually took a class with Trout Unlimited and found out that my tying, I was making my bodies too big and bulky. And after I learned how to, to tie a proper proportion fly, yeah. it just went from there and things things grew. Well, we are about out of time here. So we really appreciated you coming down today. And I knew you were nervous about doing it, but... I told you it's not hard. We just sit here and tell stories all day. Yeah, long, it's so. sitting here between you two guys. It's just not hard to to to, to do what we just did. Yeah, I, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Good. And, uh, Good. I'm glad you came down. And uh, thanks for everybody listening. And I hope you enjoyed this and got me a chance to share and you know share my upbringing in the industry and and thank Jack for doing it. And uh, we just. 
we wanted those stories immortalized, I guess, too. So um, we had a lot of fun. So thanks for coming on today. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. So if you want to hear this and other podcasts, you can find us at uh, bugsandbeardpodcast.com. We post them all there every other every other Wednesday. And then that is shared on to Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, you know, pretty much anywhere you like to listen to your iPod. So you can find us there and on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next week, I'm Sean Olson. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by WholesalersFlyShop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Wholesingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.